With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the LiveX studios in New York City, Cheesehead TV brings you two guys who like to think they know something about football. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Packer Transplants Live. I am Aaron Nagler, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Corey Banky, my partner here at Cheesehead TV. I am coming to you live from the LiveX studio in Midtown Manhattan. Corey joins us live from Green Bay, Wisconsin, across the street from Lambeau Field, and we are ready to talk some Packers. What do we have on tap today, Corey? Today, we welcome in two very special guests, very, very special guests. Joining us later in the program will be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Matt LaFleur. But right now, we have the distinct honor of welcoming the author of The Greatest Story in Sports, the definitive look at the first 100 years of the Packers, Mr. Cliff Crystal. Yeah! Cliff, what is up? Thank you so much for joining us, sir. My pleasure to be with you. Um, now, obviously, Corey mentioned the title of the book, The Greatest Story in Sports. We obviously agree. Did you come up with that title? Uh, is that something that was already there when you joined the Packers? Uh, who came up with it and why? During the, uh, the, pro- the process when I was hired, I mentioned that uh, – people in the Packer offices, I believe I mentioned it to Mark Murphy. And uh, I think they bought in. Um, I'm not sure they were fully aware of what a great and colorful story that was, this was at that point in time, but I think they've come to realize that. And uh, I feel it's certainly a fitting title. Uh, absolutely, obviously. I mean, the, uh, the breadth the, uh, the depth that you go into is uh, clearly incredible. Um, there's, there's been a couple of times I've heard you mention this as far as the project itself was kind of already in the works when you came on board as a historian, right? And anyone who reads your stuff online on the Packers website knows how detailed your work is and how much you already know. But I have to think after 100 years of, of history built up, et cetera, and myths needing to be busted, there had to have been a few surprises for you, even for yourself, someone who knows intimately each nook and cranny of this team's history. What surprised you the most uh, going back and, you know, basically doing your research for the project? Well, I think I continued to research it as I was writing, and uh, I think I found surprises almost every day, but um, Prohibition, for example, and the role it played in the Packers' survival. I knew it had played somewhat of a role, didn't realize the extent of it. Um, The battle over whether Lambeau and Vic McCormick were going to turn the team into a privately held corporation, 1949-1950. I didn't 
under I didn't grasp how close that came uh, to happening. And then uh, there were a lot of other things that just over time, the more I researched, uh, like for example, that a lot of people beside me were just were even closer to Vince Lombardi didn't buy into the fact that he had called Forrest Gregg his finest player. And hmm. I'm pretty sure that I didn't uncover the speech in Oshkosh where he called Paul Horning his greatest player uh, until sometime into the writing process. That was another surprise. Hmm. Now, you, we know that you've mentioned that uh, not only was the project kind of already in the works, the Packers knew they wanted to do something special for the 100-year anniversary, some kind of book. Uh, did the project change much when you came on board? Uh, obviously, they let you spearhead it and drive it. Um, did they have a bit of an idea or a set idea of what they wanted, and did that change much when you came on board? Well, I think well, I think I felt, and Mark Murphy, Aaron Popke, who uh, I worked most closely with on the project, we all kind of thought, well, this will be a 300 to 500 page book. But soon after I started writing, I realized there are just there are too many compelling stories here. Just too great of a story to try to cover in 500, uh, 500 pages. I mean, David Marinus wrote 500 pages about Vince Lombardi. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so about every few months, I would go back and say, well, how about a second volume? How about a third volume? How about a fourth volume? <laughs> and fortunately, they were all easy sells. And uh, Mark Murphy was extremely supportive in this project, uh, not only in uh, allowing me to expand it from one book to four volumes, but also in his support for me to tell the unvarnished history of the team as well. Speaking of unvarnished, you've never been shy. Uh, when it comes to sharing your opinion on some of the charlatans and con artists, I think is the words, the word you've used in the past, uh, that have kind of gummed up the works when it comes to Packers history over the years. But one note, one I, note I found interesting is you were pretty complimentary about Mark Beach's book, uh, which came out a couple years ago. I think it did coincide with the 100-year anniversary. What did Mark get right that so many people got wrong? Or was it just a matter of he actually did the research? That was basically it. He was diligent in his research. Um, as I've told people, um, this to write the book that I did required a lot of work, uh, but it wasn't brain surgery. It was just <laughs> digging. Lots of digging. I mean, you talked about uh, how, and, how uh, much Mark, you went back to the archives. And Mark did a, uh, did a good job of that. Um, you know, I started in the 1990s. Uh, reading every page of the Green Bay Press Gazette from 1919 uh, into the 1960s when I had started reading it as a, a teenager. And uh, I mean, there's no richer repository, I don't believe anywhere, of a pro football team than what the Press Gazette wrote about uh, the Packers, starting with George Calhoun, Val Schneider, and through the first 50 years. And so that was essential. But at the same time, I also did the same with the Milwaukee papers, which were a little more critical 
and that allowed me to uh, you know get some balance and also a better idea of what stories I needed to dig into more because there might be a couple different versions. Now, you mentioned the Milwaukee paper, and I'm glad you did, because obviously you spent time, a good amount of time, on the beat itself, covering the team uh, before you became the historian. Uh, and it's interesting, as you note, the Milwaukee paper has traditionally been a little bit more critical. Um, and one thing that I, too, is getting back to myth busting and, and rumors that have built up over the years that I've been dying to ask you this pretty much my whole life as a blogger. Uh, there's always been a long-standing kind of idea or rumor about uh, around us, the nerds who love the Packers and consume everything that's written about them, going back prior to the Internet becoming a thing, uh, that you and Bob McGinn were adversaries, that you were rivals, that you were bitter rivals. And I've, I've never been able to ask Bob this, and so I would love to get your opinion. Is that something you were cognizant of, like as far as this public perception that you and Bob were at each other's throats for stories and, and credit for leads, et cetera? Or has that mostly been fabricated by geeks like myself? Well, it changed over time. Um, <laughs> I was hired first and started on the beat at the Press Gazette in 1974. And it was determined at that time that we wanted to break from the Art Daily Lee Remmel. The horrors to be wanted to break from the from that tradition of supporting the team. And they told me to cover it as I would, as any other reporter would at a big city newspaper. So I did. I think it was about five years into that beat where Bob joined the uh, Press Gazette staff. And uh, then I became sports editor another five years or so after that. And I chose him to be the beat reporter. Gave him good reviews for his work. Um, and then the Mo Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, or the Milwaukee Journal at the time, felt it was getting beat on the, uh, on the beat. And I didn't want to cover the beat, but they wanted me to do takeout stories. So they hired me in 1986. So then McGinn and I were competing against each other. And uh, that was fierce. Um, and then eventually I helped the I, the journal was interested in hiring McGinn to cover the beat while I was doing a lot of this takeout stuff. And uh, right. I worked with Chuck Salatura, our boss, to hire McGinn. So then we went <laughs> through a period again where we worked together. And then toward the end of that period, I felt there were some things going on that um, I didn't agree with ethically. On, terms of journalistic principles. And so we kind of had a split at the end. Um, and that's how it ended. Uh, that sounds familiar. Um, I want to get back to the book, obviously, <laughs> and something that you, you mentioned in your interview with the Green Bay Press Gazette, something that it really took my breath away, Cliff, when I think you did the interview with Rich Ryman, at least he wrote it up. But you discovered during the researching of this book that your father, who reportedly you never really knew, was a huge Packers fan. And you went, you only learned about it because of your research for this book. Is that true? Can you share that story? Because that, like I said, it, it really stopped me in my tracks when I read it. Well, my father was an orphan. 
He was a, born in Green Bay, actually at the same hospital I was born in like 28 years later. And um, he was adopted by the Crystal family, Peter Crystal and his wife in Appleton in 1919. Uh, and then he served in World War II, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, but he had been exposed to some kind of chemicals. I, I found in these letters that I recently uncovered that he, a doctor told him or he had discussed with a doctor about being exposed to mustard gas. And uh, so he came home from the war and he was diagnosed with cancer soon after that. So he was at Heinz Veterans Hospital in Chicago when I was born in 1947. Um, and he died 13 days later. Mm. But in the, it was, excuse me, actually after the book was finished and I was picking up on some loose ends that I had gotten into maybe three, four years ago, I found these letters that he had written to my mother uh, in, the early, in early March, 1947, um, you know, weeks before he died. Uh, and basically the one about him being a Packer fan and uh, asking my mother to send him clippings of our daily uh, were written essentially while he, while he was on his deathbed. That's incredible. It's just incredible. Like I said, so it took my breath away. And it just reminds me of the, you know, all the ways the team connects fans and families. Um, Cliff, Crystal joining us here, team historian for the Green Bay Packers. Cliff, I can't thank you enough for the time, talking to us just even a little bit about your process and the book itself. As a final kind of note here, not really a question, more of a comment to let you know. Um, when we told people you were coming on the show, I had so many people reach out. They wanted to let you know, and I echo this, that your post-game chats when the Internet was very first kind of starting oh, man. in a kind of way gold. to connect with fans. Gold, people, gold. Your post-game chats were, are still, to this day, the best content on the Green Bay Packers that the Internet has ever produced. And it is Legendary. literally the reason I started writing and blogging about the team. I can't thank you enough. Because you were unvarnished, and you were unmerciful, and you were very, very true to everything that was happening on the field, within the team, within the franchise. We are all forever indebted to your work. Thank you so much, Cliff. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. And I, I just want Cliff. to add on to that. That I just want to add on to that, Nagler, one thing. And I told Cliff this in, pre, in pre-game or pre-show. I just think it's incredible right. that this adds to your legacy, uh, Cliff, that you are the first person in the history of this team to basically bring this team's legacy out in the forefront and show it for everyone to see. And it's because of you. It's your drive. It's your engine. And it's just incredible. And I, I thank you um, because I love this book. I've loved everything I've read about it. I've learned so much reading it. And I've read a lot of books about the Green Bay Packers. And uh, it's incredible. So thank you. Thank you. And that was my objective, to write something on almost every page that the most fans would learn from. Well, mission accomplished, sir. Cliff, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, and pleasure being with you. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Cliff Crystal, the Packers historian, joining us here on Packer Transplants Live. 
the greatest story in sports. Get it, people. Get it. Corey's right here, got the people. volume right Get there. It. Look at that. Hardcover. And, you know, the Packers, I want to give kudos to the Packers. It actually has a good value. Like, it's not – I thought it was going to be like $150 because it weighs like 60 pounds. And so um, it's in, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I think it's $80, but uh, every Packer fan should own this. Every Packer fan should have this in their house so that they can peruse it. Uh, it's, uh, it's an incredible piece of work, and it's, 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 almost, it's almost amazing that it took a team that's been around for over 100 years this long to have something this definitive uh, written about it. Right. So. I mean, and it took someone as special as Cliff to do it. So, I mean, hiring him was – one of their best moves. I mean, they've made some questionable moves. They made some great moves, and hiring Cliff is one of the best moves they've ever made. Um, you ready, Banky? Let's let's get to it. Let's get to our regularly scheduled program. I think it's that time, Banky. You ready to throw down? Yeah. So, hey, you know what we do here, people? It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We got the good. We got Aaron Charles Rogers. We got the bad. We got. Anybody tasked with returning a kick? We got the ugly. We got special teams. My God, special teams. Special teams. I'm not not even going to say the thing that everybody says, which is not so special special teams, because we all have said it. We've all thought it. But Banky, holy Toledo. We have now reached the point where every single time, it doesn't matter what phase – Anytime special teams takes the field, kick return, kick coverage, punt return, <laughs> field goal, field goal block, onside kick, anything, I'm holding my breath. Crazy. Just breath being held. That's a lot of holding your breath through a football game, I, I might add. Uh, I would, uh, I would have just put Oren. Just Bur- a debacle. I would have just put Oren Burks in the ugly. That, that was what I would have done. But I don't write the script. Ma'am. Wow. Oh, man. I'm calling out Warren one guy. There was a Oren Burke. Was systemic on How about Sunday make night. a tackle, bro? How about make one tackle, the one key tackle, so the guy doesn't run it 100 yards back, okay? <laughs> I mean, that guy is pretty hey, talented. Yeah. Uh, what the guy in question, he's trying to tackle. Bro. Saying he gets paid just, too, you know. Just. Bruh. Bruh. Does, does Oren Burks have a killer instinct? Does anyone know? Do- doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it. Man, you're singling out Oren Burks. Everybody was bad. Even the Bo, Bojo Bomb had a shank. I mean, everybody. I'm sorry. Have you crapped the bed? Except for play? Mason Crosby. I've watched that yes. play like a hundred times. Too many times, times to count. Yeah. If Oren Burks makes that so. tackle. It's done. It's, it's done. Exactly. I know. I know. I feel you. I feel you. Um, let's get to uh, your favorite part of the program, Banky. Let's not. Oh, yeah. Let's let's wash our hands of the special teams, and let's talk about the hotness, shall we? Let's get it. Let's, it. Let's do it. Let's get to the hotness. Oh, yeah. It's time for the hotness. Oh, that's so good. Can we just play that all night? That's so great. <laughs> I love that theme. That's so dope. Um, all right. You know, lots of times we have big plays for the hotness, right? Whether on even like kick returns or pick sixes or big bombs to Devante. This week, the hotness is featuring a block, a block by one Josiah DeGuara. Let's let's roll this. Look at Josiah here from the I form. Your favorite, Banky, 
Go look at him find this defensive back and obliterate him. Obliterate him. And then get so excited at the end there. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the hotness. The hotness doesn't need to be a big play. It can be anything. And this week, it's Josiah DeGuara obliterating a Bears defensive back. I love it so much, Banky. That's the hotness. Pretty sweet. I like mm-hmm. the blocking from this team. I like the blocking from this offense. I'm, 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 like, I'm excited about it. It's rounding into shape. I'll tell you what. On that, uh, one other thing on that play that maybe people's eyes don't go right to uh, is EQ blocking a defensive end to seal the edge. EQ. He's doing Lazard-type work out there. It's pretty hot. That's hotness right there. Uh, okay, let's talk about some Packers news, shall we? Let's get to the news. Ladies and gentlemen, this just in, David Bakhtiari is back at practice. That's right. Number 69 in your program, number one in your hearts, David Bakhtiari, back at practice. Now, I don't expect this means that he's going to be out there on Sunday. But he is back at practice. Wasn't he he back at practice like five weeks ago for a hot second? Yes, and then he had a clean-up for his knee. And then he was out for a little bit, and now he's back at practice. So restart yeah, really the hype machine, Becky. <laughs> I can tell. You're jumping out of your seat over there. I, I love well, it. Well, because I would be if, if you were like, hey, he's playing, but it's hard to be excited I know. about like. I know. But we're a step closer okay. to him playing. That's the point. That's, I'm very excited about that. Okay. Um, talk about exciting. Packers have signed Juwan Winfrey to the 53-man roster. We saw him called up earlier this year when he was uh, playing against Arizona. Uh, But now he is on the 53-man roster. Have to think he will be immediately thrust into a special teams role or two. Um, We'll see how much he plays from scrimmage. I doubt we see him extensively. But he is on the 53-man roster. Very exciting for that young man. Um, Speaking of continuing to practice, Jair Alexander, no setbacks, back at practice. Guy hasn't played since week four, obviously, with that shoulder injury, but getting closer, inching closer. See, now we're we're picking up some steam. That's right. So, Jair, back at practice. Now, we got some more news. Obviously, a lot of this is always going to be centered around injuries because it's late in the year and it's football. Billy Turner did go down Sunday night against the Bears, but apparently his injury is not season-ending, and that is good news. So, Billy Turner's going to be out for a while, but he is not, his season is not over. Um, so that's good, both from the reporting. And Matt mentioned it on the, uh, at the podium the other day, and including today, he backed it up. Um, and then finally, Corey Banke, I know what a huge fan you are of practice squad signings, so I had to include this. The Packers have signed center Michael Mennett to the practice squad. Um, and this is really only noticeable and notable because of the fact that he is a former draft pick for the Arizona Cardinals. We've had success with Devondre Campbell and, of course, with Razul Douglas. Got to think third time's the charm. Michael Mennett, clearly going to be a future Hall of Famer, considering that everybody we get from the Cardinals seems to pan out. I love it. Eat it, learn it, love it. What we got? We got like eight minutes until uh, Coach is supposed to be here, so I suppose we can dive I think into coach is, Although, I think Coach is going to be on Lombardi time? That's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think not only this, that is he going to be on Lombardi time, and or does he laravie us? That's He's, what I want. I think there's a really like he good could just not show up. Us. He yeah. could just not show up. Yeah. Waller said he's gonna like be there to make sure he gets on, but yeah. I don't know if I trust either of those guys. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Oh, fair dear. point. Fair point. All right. Let's talk about the offense. Let's talk about Alan Lazard. 
stepping up when he's needed. Obviously, Randall Cobb went down last week. Who's going to fill that role? Well, this past week against the Bears, it was Alan Lazard. Not only in the you know receiving category, yeah, uh, moving around, being very versatile, still doing everything that's asked of him in the run game, coming in hot with the blocking. Alan Lazard reminded people of what he can do. And I know Aaron Rodgers point blank said after the game, you know, he's been disappointing or disappointed in himself the past couple weeks. Hasn't really, you know, he's Aaron's given him a few chances and he hasn't been able to come down with stuff. But man, he reminded folks what he can do on Sunday night. Big, big, big time. Um, and then someone we just talked about with the hotness, Josiah DeGuara, heating up, really starting to get it, man. You look at some of his blocks, like the one we showed, obviously also producing in the passing game. Not ready to say he's like ready to replace Tunyon because you know, I think that's a bit premature, but you talk about a guy who's rounding into shape at just the right time and hopefully able to give this team a bit more, a lot more from the tight end position as they go down the stretch here, you love to see it. Between him and Big Dog, that was that was some fun stuff from the tight end group on Sunday night. Big dog, big dog's just getting started. Big dog hasn't even like right. I feel like I feel like big dog is just hitting his stride right now. I agree. He's been I mean, incredible and, in the last like in the last four or five weeks. He's just been an incredible tight end for us in so many ways. And uh, look at the targets he got this week. I mean, uh, yeah. Rogers was throwing to him with abandon. I love it. Um, and then of course we'd mentioned Billy Turner. Going down with an injury. Dennis Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, it's his time to shine. And I can't tell you how many times this year I've had wow. seemingly every week. I've had one or two people in my mentions. I've gotten a few emails about it. Why is Dennis Kelly on this team? Where is he? Blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And I know earlier in the year he had been dealing with a back injury. But, you know, people were like, why did we sign this guy? Sunday night is why they signed that guy. Remember, last year. NFC Championship game when a big reason they lost was a lack of depth at the tackle position. Sing Brian Gutekunst's praises people that this guy is on your roster, a 17-game starter last year with the Houston, uh, sorry, with the, with the Titans, comes in on a Sunday night in December, hasn't played a lick of ball, and as Matt said, graded out well. That's a lot. You talk about a luxury. Are you kidding me? Week 14, you got a guy to be able to come in as your, what, fourth tackle? Man, that's baller status right there. Baller status. You got anything else on the offense before we switch to defense there, Benke? Um, No, but I would like the offense to kind of like not wait a whole entire half before they start working. Oh, we'll talk to we'll talk to coach about that one. I, I got something for coach for that. Yeah, I'm with you though. It'd I never nice. was really it worried is. though. I'll be honest with you. I never. Oh, I wasn't worried. either. I mean, I'm never. I was. I, I was like, mm, this is just. <laughs> I mean, this is true because you know. I know I'm we like... want to get in. Go ahead. I'm what were you gonna say? You went to the. Oh, game. I was gonna say I went to the game with Zabe. And Zabe, at, like, right before half, said, so if they lose this game, what does that do for seeding? Yeah. And I, I just did a slow burn turn to him, and I said, they're not fucking losing this game. No. And I will confirm that was Zabe on the air tomorrow morning, because that is exactly what I said. And lo and behold, they didn't lose. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? You were going to mention something. Classic radio guy making drama in the moment. 
God. <laughs> if they lose this game... Um, you're not on the radio right now, Zabe. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is, you know, Russell Douglas, I know we're going into defense, but holy cow. Oh, how yeah. did we get this oh, guy? Oh, my God. Like, I know where... I, I know... Again, I know Brian Gutekunst. <laughs> Devondre Campbell, okay, was going to be the guy that we thought, and he still is, right? The guy where we're like, holy crap, how did this guy land on our team? We haven't had a linebacker in right. like 25 years. Um, it's since, you know, Diggs. Just kidding. Um, but, you know, <laughs> why... Where Now we got Rasul Douglas. It's like, this is this is the kind of, you know momentum type of players that come out of nowhere that happen in seasons that something special happens season. where you hoist this, yes. you know, this special thing. It's just like, it's one of those things where like, you know, who would have thought a pick six? Um, who would have thought two that in a row. from Rasul Douglas? Two in a row. <laughs> like one time is an anomaly. Two times is a trend. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. And he's literally the first Incredible. Packer to do it in back-to-back games since Herb Adderley. Even Charles Woodson didn't do it. What? Wow. That's, I cra- yeah, that's wow. crazy. That's incredible. That's crazy. That's incredible. And you got to, like, what, what, how do you get rid of a guy like that? You know what I mean? It's like us getting rid of Micah Hyde. You know what I mean? At least we knew what all we right, All right, Micah all right. All right, we're not like... talking about the offseason. We're not talking about the offseason. We're not talking about the offseason. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm live in the saying, moment, like, Banky. How do you, how do you get said, a guy like that? Live in the now. Don't you? Oh, don't. I'm living I in hope. the now. I don't. It's just how? How do you? How do you? How do you get Devondre Campbell and Russell Douglas? How? How does that happen? Like, if if this season goes as well as it is, those two players um, are a key reason why. And it, and it's it's kind of incredible. No question. You know, Joe Barry, no Joe Barry, question. the man himself, and uh, Russell Douglas and uh, Devondre Campbell holding up this defense, holding up this incredible Absolutely. top three ranked defense in the NFL. By the way. Um, speaking of uh, names and guys helping the defense and holding it up, uh, talking about the defense, let's let's talk about Preston Smith for a second, shall we? Preston okay. Smith, ladies and gentlemen, he read your tweets. Yeah. Remember last year and into the off season, marching towards the uh, end of the, the 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 league year, my Twitter was a cascade of they have to cut Preston, they gotta cut Preston Smith. How they live with Preston Smith. They got to get rid of Preston Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, he read your tweets. And he is here. He is here for a reckoning. Because holy cow. It seems like every week this guy makes a big play. Again this week, the strip sack fumble against Fields. I love this guy. I love it. I love how well he's playing. He holds up so well against the run. He absolutely dominates when he gets that bend underneath the tackle. Here's the other thing I love. Both he and Rashawn Gary have caused strip sack fumbles on plays they've been held in the last two games. Against the Rams, yep. Gary was held, caused a fumble. Preston, held, caused a fumble. So keep holding them, guys. I'm down with it. But Preston Smith read your tweets, folks. That's all I know. Well, and I just, um, I, you really got, you really have this sense from our front line that they hold each other up so well, you know, Rashawn Gary's motor very uh, going into Preston Smith. Um, you know, you got our lunch pail guys that we like. Um, it's just Tyler and this Dean. defense, this D and <laughs> we should make a Tyler uh, and, Dean. and Barnes ad for that. Tyler and <laughs> Dean. 
the lunch pail kids. Tyler and Dean. The lunch pail. We're going to bring our lunch pail to uh, We're going to come to work with our lunch pails. We're coming to work. Um, but, no, this defense, you, you know, I'm. it's uh, – you, you kind of have this vision. I don't know. I have this vision right now, Nagler. I'm I'm seeing us. You know right. there's a 99 point something percent chance that we make the playoffs. I just want to let everybody know that. Okay. Okay. According. Shh. Shh. Okay. Let's just be. But old. I'm just saying like. Got to go one and oh, Banky. You kinda, I know. But you kind of. <laughs> whoa. I don't know what happened there. I think that was lightning. Um, You kind of you kind of got a <laughs> that's, feeling. That's that. coach arriving. <laughs> he's, 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 oh. he's. Coach is like. He's like teleporting over to your house, I think. I think <laughs> I was like, what the heck just happened? I just heard some crazy, but you kind of got this feeling that, you know, when we do get to the playoffs in the future, um, you know, next month, um, y- you get a different sense of this defense can hold us up. This defense can hold each other up. Right. And so, you know, right. that's, what's really complimentary about football. What we're seeing. Yeah. It's incredible what we're seeing these last three weeks. It's actually, it's actually mind blowing how incredible it is from this defense. Talking about incredible, this defense, 271 pressures generated per pro football focus. That's the fourth highest in the NFL. I hear a lot of people talking about how they need to pressure more. They need to get more pressure on the quarterback. I heard it in the stands on Sunday night. Oh, they need to blitz more. No, they're doing okay. They're doing all right. They're doing just fine rushing for most of the time. I think Barry's done a really nice job, actually, of not just blitzing to for blitzing's sake. He's done a really good job of letting those four guys get after it, whoever those four might be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a different combination a lot of times, but I think they've done a really good job. Uh, you know, speaking of doing a really good job, Banky, you know who does a really good job? Who's that? That'd be one, that'd be one Matt LaFleur. He's a oh, man yeah. who has, uh, you know, a winning percentage. This is true. His winning percentage right now through his first 45 games is at 800. 800. All right. What? The highest winning percentage. The highest winning percentage of any coach with at least 50 NFL games belongs to Guy Chamberlain, who won 784% of his games from 22 to 27. John Madden is the modern era leader at 759. Only four coaches ever are over 70%. Matt's got five games to go to keep it over all of them. He needs and a what fedora. do you know? He, he joins us. He, needs, he seems to be joining us right now. The man I was just talking about, the guy who's done all that, there he is. Ladies oh, my goodness. Joining us now, wow. Matt LaFleur. Matt, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. well. Man, doing well. I mean, we had Cliff oh, Christie. Now, now we got you. I mean, it's incredible. You know, I get on here. You guys See, start talking nice about me. It's a heck of a deal. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I, it's just you just hit us at the right time, Matt. I don't know. I had no idea. I don't know what you're really no, saying. no clue. No, I don't know. Well, hey, we're about to. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm glad you asked because, sir, last time you were on this year program, sitting in that very chair, uh, you chastised me because I didn't have fastballs for you, or not enough fastballs. So I got some oh, fastballs for wow. you. Wow. I'm ready. I'm ready to bring the heat, sir. So. But first of all, first wait, of all, we didn't play. We didn't play. Wait, wait, I'll tell you wait, what. You bring the coach. heat every day, Aaron. I, what are you talking you the about? Heat every day at the I press was, conference. I asked about quad formations today. That's not. Heat. I liked it. That's just fun. I, I, no, I know. It was good. You've been studying. I mean, I'm you didn't sure you play you're, coach's animation you're, for him, Nagler. All right. Play the, so let's, the, let's do it. Know, we got to play it. All let's right. Play. You ready? Okay. Wait, Matt, Matt, we're going to reset the interview. Is awesome. 
<laughs> there you go. Matt LaFleur joining us here on Packer uh, <laughs> Now it's official. I, I can uh, I can send that to you if you want it as your ringtone, Matt. That'd be great. Or you can give it to your friends and family. You know, they can whenever you call that plays. I think that'll work. I think that'd be good. I know my wife didn't make that. Um, no. <laughs> I, well, maybe she did. I don't know. Well, she probably sent it to us. Um, okay. Before we get into all the football stuff, how are you? How was your bye week? You know, we uh, we know you see you on the podium all the time, but you know, you got a little chance to get away from things. Hopefully, how was your bye week? Did you do anything fun? Uh, you know, how was life away from football for a few days? Oh, it was great. It was, it was a good time to kind of recharge the battery. I think most of our guys got away a little bit and, um, spent a few days with my family and took a little vacation and then came back to the nice temperatures of green Bay. (laughs) Yeah. You're not lying, man. It was, it was so it was winter when I was there this weekend and then I got back to New York and it's like 55 degrees out here. It's ridiculous. All right, that's enough nicety. Let's get to football. Uh, <laughs> it was nice today, yeah, of course. But when I was there, it's always nice and cold. Hey, how you doing? Was that tea? What are you drinking there? You doing yeah, right? I actually, I just started doing this. So I lost my voice last week. I couldn't. I mean, you guys heard me. I sounded awful. Um, worse than Friday usual. <laughs> so I've been doing a little tea. Hackett got me on it. Nice. Well, I hope that's all he gets you into because I don't want you getting into like, you know, break dancing or Star Wars or whatever other things that, yeah. you know, he could potentially <laughs> influence you with. You don't have to worry about that. Um, All right. Thank God. Thank goodness. All right. How much of a challenge is it, Matt? I mean, you come back from your bye week. You've got a quarterback who can't practice. I mean, you got to go all week. He's doing whatever he's doing as far as rehab goes. I know he's been out there a little bit more recently, late in the week last week, but he's gone a long stretch now. You're going back to the like the Arizona game where he hasn't been on the practice field. What kind of challenge is that? How hard is it? I know you've got, you know, in past weeks you've had Jordan Love. This past week you had Kurt Benkert running with the ones, but how hard is it to prepare for a game where your starting quarterback is just not at practice. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenge, but you have those challenges every week. I think the hardest thing is just, if you want to incorporate some new concepts, it's just, he doesn't have the live practice reps to get the timing down with the other, you know, with the other guys on the field. So I think that's the most challenging thing from an offensive perspective. Speaking of offensive perspectives, um, early, early game, whether it's, you know, like here against Chicago, uh, going back to the Seattle game, I mean, it's really kind of been all year. We've talked about it before, but you guys have really struggled early in games. And last year, you guys were lights out in games. Now, obviously, every year is different. Teams adjust, both yourselves and your defensive counterparts. But you keep coming out and slinging it around. This past Sunday, three straight passes. Uh, you know, again, a quarterback who hasn't practiced a whole lot. Why don't you try switching it up? Why don't you come out, just button it up, <laughs> Belichick style with Mac Jones, and just run the ball like 20 times just to get, you know, just to get into the flow of the game and lather up those running backs and offensive line and then, you know, then ease your quarterback into it. How about that? Well, did you see what number our quarterback wears, number 12? He's pretty good. I did. I did. 
Yeah, no, so, he is pretty uh, good. But the, okay, but he's not practicing. This is my. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, truth be told, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The first play of the game was a run pass can, and <laughs> okay, Chicago did a decent job. They did a really good job of holding their their rotation. They they pressured us. And our back, Aaron Jones, did a great job of aborting, and we still got a six-yard gain on the first play of the game. So it was a positive play. Now the second play, not so positive. Not so much, right, right. I feel you. I, I, you know, I, I, I only say, I say these things out of love, Matt. You know this. You know, you know where I'm coming from here. Um, he annoys me, Matt. Of... All he talks about all game is when are they going to run the ball? When are they going to run the ball? When are they going to run the ball? I'm sure he annoys the crap out of you in the press conferences about it. He's trying to like always change his question around about how he can like ask you how he's how you're going to run the ball. Well, are, are you guys big fantasy football players? No, no, I'm a purist. I suck okay. at fantasy. Football. Well, I, that's a relief because that's usually what people get mad about. Is there fantasy? Yeah, oh, no, I know. I, Trust me, yeah, I know. I can't. No, I don't play fantasy football because the times where I played fantasy football, there was one moment where I almost rooted against the Packers, and that was the last time I ever played fantasy football. How could you Sorry. do that, Corey? Confirm that report. I can't. That's why I can't play it. I'm a purist. I can't do it. Well, you know, you know what's interesting, though, is a year ago, I think you guys were giving us crap for not making – good enough halftime adjustments. We'd always come out strong the first half. Sir, we would never. Yeah. You have us confused with some <laughs> other outlet, sir. Right. We would never. There's people out there. I defended How about that? the thing about halftime adjustments. Okay. Now, that is true. That is that is true. You don't lump so. us in with the great unwashed, sir. That's all I, that's all I ask. But I hear, I've learned one I, thing. I hear you about the halftime adjustments. Until you score on every possession – it's not going to be good enough, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that yeah. because that's my expectation as well. As it should be, right? I mean, you're not out there Absolutely. just trying to make things look nice. You're trying to score. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, speaking of struggling, you know, we were talking about early game struggles. And this, I promise, will be the only question about special teams. But I got to ask. Um, you, you, I mean, we're, we, we're heading into week 15 here. And special teams, a bit of a bugaboo on your squad. You've undoubtedly tried a lot of stuff. You've, I have zero doubt that you're working hard, you and Mo, trying to get it done. But I have, you know, I just have this one question. Have you tried the Urban Meyer method? Have you tried just kicking the shit out of your specialists? I don't know. You probably haven't read this. You haven't read this about Urban Meyer today. I don't know if you saw uh, the news, but hey, I actually... why not, right? I actually did see that. I, I have a hard time commenting on that, Aaron. You're okay, all right, all right, that's fair. No, no, no. I'm just, well, you know, I, I see. If in case you're like you're you doing know, the coach now, now Nagler is results. Nagler, now he's not coming on our show. Coach, coach, I have two questions for you, and there, there. One is a hardball question. Here's my hardball question: Would you ever consider wearing a fedora on the field? as a coach, because you are up there. Every other coach that has as good of a record as you wears a fedora. I'll tell you what, Corey, we win the Super Bowl. I'll wear a fedora. Oh, snap. <laughs> there we go. A little Lombardi action. My second question, coach, is: did you know I made a drink called the La Floridora just for you? Somebody mentioned that to me. How was it? It, it's very good. It's raspberry syrup. It's lime 
It's fresh lime. It's gin. So I hope you like gin. And then it, uh, and then it has some uh, ginger beer. It's pretty nice. It's pink. I, you know, but I don't know how you feel about pink, but sorry about that. But it's actually an old, like, 1930s <laughs> drink. And uh, <laughs> it's an old 1930s drink that I kind of spruced up. But, uh, you know, I, I was going to make a, a drink called yeah, – I was going to do a hot toddy and call it the hot kochi. But I thought that was too on the nose. So I don't know how you think about that. But Yeah, I like the other one better. I'll <laughs> yeah. try it one of yeah. these. One of these days you'll have to make it for me. I'll come, I'll come over there and try it. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, the old sir. promise. Yeah, he's going to cross the street and come <laughs> over. Yeah, we've been told that before. The floor. I, you know, we know what that's worth. Um, all right, let's get back to football. Back to football here. Um, all right. You mentioned something on Monday that I found fascinating. And I know you probably can't go into monstrous detail here, but uh, the football nerd in me really wants to ask you about what you said in regards to coming out of halftime on Sunday night resequencing your script with plays that you hadn't run yet. And that was essentially how you built the drive to start the second half where, you know, you guys really got in a rhythm. Obviously you ran AJ a bit. You had some quick passes, etc. What is that process like? Is that literally just you and Hackett sitting there on an iPad or something, or I don't know, maybe even on paper and saying, okay, we're going to go X, Y, Z, like one, two, three. These are the, this is the order we're going to go in, or is it still somewhat fluid? No. Yeah. It's, it's a little fluid, but um, I would say the first five plays that we ran in the second half were exactly what we talked about. Uh, typically we we'd script anywhere between six and eight plays. Um, and they were already on the call sheet. So it was, Myself, it was all the offensive coaches. We were all huddled around uh, going over the plays because typically what we like to do is we want those position coaches to go to their position group and kind of just make sure everybody's on the same page, kind of go over any key coaching points on some of those plays. And But we kind of just renumbered plays that we hadn't got gotten to up to that point because um, ironically enough, we'd only made it through about halfway through our script when you take out all the situational ball and yeah, it, luckily for us, uh, our guys went out there and did a great job of executing. Um, what happened to all the bunch sets and rub routes from last year? Cause that was like seemingly a base part of your offense. Now this year it's all five wide empty, throw it around the yard. And I know y'all love getting it in 12's hands and letting it happen, but Last year, it seemed like you guys did that a ton, and you did it the first play against Minnesota, and Devontae goes for 40, but it just doesn't seem like it's a staple this year. Is that like one of those where you didn't want to show a lot of what you did last year and you're trying to move forward, or is it just a case of it just hasn't come up in the plan? Well, it's, I would say it's a little bit of both. I do think that any time that you have the success that our offense did last year, everybody's studying you. And I will say the league, especially the defenses around the league, have done a much better job covering all those cro- crossing routes. They're passing them off better. And so it, it, it'll, it, it always comes back full circle. So there's going to be a time that, we, as a matter of fact, we ran one the other night and Aaron threw it outside to Alan Lazard uh, on basically an inside fade route. Uh, on the right sideline, but, you know, to their credit, Chicago gloved 
our inside crossing patterns that that we were trying to get open. Yeah, they did. I'm, I mean, I know that it's it was a wild game. It was a weird game. But, man, that Bears defense is well coached. There were a number of times where it looked like you got – like Aaron mentioned the – the play that ends up as a touchdown to Aaron Jones, but that's, you know, scheme that's designed for big dog and they're all over it. Like they were, yeah, they're, they're well coached. That's, that's very clear. Um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I have wanted to ask this all year and I know like this is not meant to be dramatic, but it is something that I've been asked a lot. <laughs> I've been asked a lot and I try to be the conduit for the fans. Um, was 12 coming back, this past summer, and obviously we're not going to rehash all that, but was his coming back somewhat, I don't want to say predicated on, but was the agreement we're going to run more of what he wants? Because it does seem like this year you've seen a lot of return of a lot of the stuff he did under Mike, whether it is empty, whether it is 5 wide, whatever whatever you want to like point to. There seems to be a lot more of what you guys were doing in 2019 when you guys talked a lot about meshing what he was comfortable with, with what you do. You go to last year, seems like there was a lot more of your style of offense. This year, it seems like we're kind of back to a lot more of a, of a blend of the two. It, was that a discussion, or is that a figment of everyone's imagination? Definitely a figment of everybody's imagination. Because each week, we, we get together, um, our, our offensive staff, we put together the game plan, and then we kind of go over it with him before we install it to our whole unit. And, you know, I would say 90% of the time he's all even more than that, probably 95% of the time he, he's on board with everything. There might be a, a play here or a play there that he's not so sure of. And especially now, right now, we, we, we always got to be mindful of the fact that he's not out there practicing these. So yeah, you absolutely want to do plays that he has banked reps on, but, um, you know, every now and again, we won't have a play in and he'll just, Hey, what about this play? And I would say the majority of the time we'll add it or we'll give him a reason as to, you know, why we, we might not like a play, but, um, but that kind of goes that those talks go on throughout the week, each and every game. Obviously. Well, like I said, I've been asked a lot about it, and I, I'm not going to lie. I've wondered about it myself. So, always good to talk to the source. Um, we're talking to Matt LaFleur here on Packer Transplants Live. Uh, I've got a few more questions for you, Matt, before I let you go. Um, seriously, we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's, let's talk about your defense for a second. What did you know about Joe Barry that no mm. one else knew? Mm. That nobody else knew? Apparently, because I as I asked you in the press conference – you know the public reception of that hire. That was not a popular hire around Packer fandom. I think the media went after you a little bit for it, but I think Joe has proven a lot of people wrong. What did you know? Because he what did he was not successful his first two stops as a coordinator, and he's been pretty damn successful in Green Bay. Well, I, I think you got to look at the totality of every situation that everybody's in. Um, I know I kind of experienced that myself in Tennessee. And, you know, um, you know, I, I would say a big reason Joe Barry's here is first of all, I know what kind of man he is. I know the kind of coach he is. I know the energy he brings. And it was more or less just a gut feeling like that this is the right guy to get everybody 
on the same page and going in, in the same direction. I mean, he's certainly done that. You, you can't argue. What an incredible hire. Everything. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you got to understand Matt as Packers fans for the last, you know, couple decades we haven't had a defense in like 20 years for god's sake it's just weird we had one one time in 2010 and that's it well uh, you you got to give our 2010 you got to give our players a lot of credit to it and i mean not only the players but the other coaches i mean it is a collective effort and you know we've had some key pickups in devondre campbell rasul douglas um stokes has come in and he's played at a really high level so you know, you got to give Goody and his staff a ton of credit for finding those guys. And um, just it's it's meshed well. Oh, there's no question about it. Do you marvel at Rasul Douglas like the rest of us? Because, I mean, he's literally, what, on his fifth team at this point, sitting there on a practice squad and then coming in and just lighting it up for you. I mean, he's doing stuff that hasn't been done since Herbert Adderley was with the team. I mean, is that – I mean, I know you're, you see him every day in practice, what have you, and so it's probably not a surprise to you. But are you a bit surprised, maybe even a little bit, that he's come in and inserted himself and been so productive and played at such a high level? Well, I think I'd be lying to you if I, I said I wasn't surprised because um, anytime you bring in a player that late in the, or you know into the season, you, you don't really know. But for him to pick it up as fast as he has – and, you know, going out there and made the plays that he has obviously made three very, very impactful plays, um, you know, the two pick sixes and then the pick at Arizona and then shoot the play he made on special teams the other night, covering the gunner, uh, you know, enticing him Smart to run play. out of bounds, Smart play. holding his hands up. I mean, this guy is a pro. He is constantly watching tape around the facility. If he's in the hot tubs, cold tubs, he's got his iPad there. So it's not a shocker to me in terms of after getting to know him and seeing how he approaches it. This guy's a pro. And and Jerry Gray and Ryan Downard, you got to give those guys a lot of credit for just getting him up to speed so quickly. But also just that entire DB room, the culture in that room is unlike any I've ever seen in ter- just in terms of how these guys compete with one another on a daily basis from just, you got to go in there. I, I wish I could have you guys in there on a Saturday sometime and just hearing all the commotion that's going on there, <laughs> just the safeties going against the corners on a quiz on the board. I mean, it, it gets super competitive. Uh, and, you know, we got a great group. It's just a great group of guys. Do you have anything like that with your coaching staff? Like you guys get after like offense versus defense or anything like that? Uh, not, you know, I wouldn't say in, in season. We're, we're pretty busy in season. So, right. uh, but certainly in the off season, absolutely. Wow. Matt LaFleur talking to us here on Packer Transplants Live. Uh, before I let you go, Matt, um, I just have, you know, something that I, I just, I got to ask. I feel compelled to ask only because it raises my blood pressure seemingly every Sunday. Uh, why do you and Aaron hate timeouts so much? Like, what is it about timeouts that you just feel like you can just, like, toss them around like they're nothing, like they don't mean <laughs> anything, like, especially in the second half? Like, wh- man, why why do you hate timeouts? That was one game. I think we've done a decent oh, job. Oh, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> one game. 
We've done a good job of holding their timeouts. You have. There's been instances. There was a a play in Minnesota, I remember, that that in the second half. But especially as you're getting down to it, like this last week, we have a lead. Uh, You know, somebody may or may not have, I'm not going to say who, but somebody (laughs) may or may not have lined up in the right position. So you burn a timeout there. You just, every play is so critical. And I think when you have a lead, I was, I was okay with burning those timeouts versus it's different. It's a different story. When, when you're down, you can't, you can't afford to use those, but um, I promise you, Aaron and Corey, we'll do better for you this week. Okay. All right. We don't need that. All right. I'm just saying, man, just, you know, (laughs) second half timeouts are a premium and you're, I hear you. I agree with you. And we're, we're going to get know, better. I'm glad you put okay. me on the spot. That's a challenge. I love challenges. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how about A.J. Dillon on short yardage? Not bad, right? He's doing okay? I'll tell you what. I wish I would have listened to you a long time ago. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you You want to come you coach for us, Aaron? You grief. No, just relax. Stop, stop, stop. You know I'm just giving you grief. Man, I'll, I'll love talking shit if he was the coach. I would be talking shit about it all the time. <laughs> I would, I would break my own rule and talk shit about play calling if he was the coach. That would be hilarious. That's no. true. And I will say, Corey never talks junk about play calling. That he is a perfect fan. Nope. That that's your we'll, prerogative, we'll coach. That's that's I, I do it all the time. As soon as we get out of this COVID era, I'm gonna have you guys in here, and we're gonna watch a game together. And I want to hear your your <laughs> breakdown, your expertise, okay. just so I can take right. notes and apply yeah, it to please. next no. year. I got I got I have an even better idea. All right. Well, what I want to do, and I've wanted, I've, I've thought about pitching this to Jason. So I'm just going to pitch it to you right here live. I want you to come over to Banky's house, and I'm going to play a game of Madden, and I want you to give me shit about all my play calling, because that way <laughs> we can even the playing field here. We'll have fun. like a Matt Lafleur watch party. There you go. Hey, Are you any good at Madden? I'm okay. I can hold my own. I'm gonna have. I'll bring my son over and see if you you can be. There him. you go. There <laughs> you go. go. Oh no! See, how do I? Okay, that's not <laughs> even fair. How am I gonna like? I, exactly. But Maybe how do I play? Beat real awesome. Like the Lafleur kid. I'm, I'm not gonna. You're gonna like. I'm not gonna beat your son at Madden. Like you know. You, no. you probably won't. That's why I'm gonna bring him over there. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. I'll tell you. We'll, back in the we'll day. See. We'll see. Back in the day, I could play some Madden and some NCAA football. Back in the day. That was. I have no time now. Right, right. And you guys don't want me wasting my time practicing. Let me tell you, no, we don't. But now you sound like Wes Hodquitz. You know, Packers.com, Wes Hodquitz has been threatening me with a good time of a Madden challenge game, whatever. But every time he does, he talks about, oh, I haven't played in so long. Like, blah, blah. So he's already, like, setting the expectation of his loss. So, yeah. That's why I'm going to have my kid come. I got you. I'll have Luke come over here. I love, by the way, that that was like one of the first things you talked about when you got named head coach about your son being excited that you would be in Madden. Like that's, I mean, that's got to be surreal. That's so cool. I love it. Matt, I can't thank you enough for hanging out, man. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. And the fact that you spend any time at all here with us on Cheesehead TV really means a lot. Thank you, sir. No worries. You're just cutting into my sleep. It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> okay all right yeah go just drink your tea and watch some film. I, uh, I will trust me i gotta get this voice back 
<laughs> so I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Coach. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Coach. Have a great night. All right. You guys, too. Take care. There you go. Matt LaFleur live right here on Packer Transplants Live. Banky, how you doing, buddy? Did you see the lightning over me just now? That was crazy. Is there lightning going right on? That's coach more, left, more like coach. Lambo. Coach is like Thor. He just brings it. You know, when he's there, the lightning arrives. Um, Banky, we're at an hour, so I don't know if we want to do the rest of the script or we just want to sign off here. Yeah, let's, uh, that was awesome. no, let's go into, uh, that was awesome. Thanks coach for, uh, coming on. He's always such a, he's always been great to us. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, the absolute pretty incredible, uh, the time that he's been with us. Um, you know, that's our third year with coach. I know, right. That's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Um, But, uh, yeah, let's uh, keep going. We're talking about defense. I think we should go into – maybe we go right into blogosphere, huh? Let's just go into blogosphere. Let's do it. Let's do it, Jeremy. Let's hit it. week in the Packer blogosphere, the return of that venerable series. Ladies and gentlemen, oftentimes during Packer blogosphere, we like to highlight what other people are doing around the internet when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. But today we're going to highlight something Cheesehead TV did. And more importantly, you did over the course of the last week. That's right. Cheesehead TV was partnered with Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. And I cannot express our gratitude enough when it comes to Packers fans pitching in, raising $24,000 to provide 96,240 meals for those in need in eastern Wisconsin. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you to each and every one of you who donated. Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable response. Incredible generosity. Cheesehead TV was really, obviously, very proud to partner with feeding America, Eastern Wisconsin, and you guys really made it happen. So thank you. Um, Corey, I'm still kind of in shock that that all happened. Like it was like a week. It's incredible. It was like the early part of the week. I was like, oh gosh, are we going to, are, are we like, our goal was $10,000 and we hit 24,000. Uh, like early in the week, I was like, are we even going to hit 10? And then we obliterated it. And that's thanks to Packers fans. Of course. Yeah, it's thanks um, to Packers fans. And also, you know, some of the Green Bay media helping us out, get the message out, got to get Oh, yeah, out. no um, doubt, no doubt, no question. They, uh, the, the message was carried far and wide, no doubt about it. Um, one other thing we're excited to announce, speaking of Cheesehead TV and things going on and partnerships, we are partnering with DraftKings Sportsbook app, DraftKings in general. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook app, available now. Use promo code CHEESEHEAD, that's promo code CHEESEHEAD, the DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a deposit bonus of $1,000 in free credits with their first deposit. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and check out all they have to offer, including same-game parlays, player props, live betting, and so much more. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, and that's a possibility, Don't forget about the DraftKings Fantasy app. They are offering millions of dollars in total prizes every week. So get on it, folks. And you know know who has the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Corey Benke? Uh, Patreon member Oz Osborne, who says, and I quote, I've won a lot of money on there. 
So listen to Oz. Get yourself the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Loving it. Should we hear from the fine folks in the chat, Senior Banky? Yeah, we actually don't have a lot in the chat, surprisingly. We usually have a lot more. I got uh, – I got everybody's uh, paying attention uh, to the interviews. That's why. Yeah, they're actually watching the show as opposed to, to chatting. I got a super <laughs> chat from podcast 1919 fans over this toe. Do we forget AR 12 played through an MCL sprain and torn calf? He's going to drop dimes and suck it signs. Chill Packer. Word. Go, pack, go number one NFC. Love it. Uh, Love it. Thanks for super chat. Uh, JD. JD, can't wait to see Matt week one of 2022 season wearing a fedora on the sideline. Me too. <laughs> there you I, go. Uh, I just think it's I just think it's appropriate considering he, you know, he he how good he is. He's got okay. all the records and the only people that are his comparables. That's what they did. They wore fedoras. Uh, and we got Justin. Justin was was looking forward to this show. Um, so he's got thanks for Super Chat, Justin. Tonight was great, guys. Happy holidays to everyone at Cheesehead Tea. Happy holidays, Justin. Justin. Thanks so much for the support, buddy. Yeah, and we didn't get, for some reason, we weren't pulling in the Facebook. So if you're on Facebook right now watching, it's not because I was ignoring you. Normally, I try to bring in some Facebooks. Appreciate you watching us on Facebook. For some reason, our our socials weren't coming in, so I don't have those. Um, Shout out to Facebook. But... (laughs) Shout out to the people watching us on Facebook. And, and oh, we got uh, Uncultured. I'm going to add this to the queue right now. Uncultured Barbarian. Hopefully, LaFleur's kid plays Madden better than Grossi. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Snap Daddy. Snap Daddy. Who's Grossi? Um, I, I who, some who's Grossi? I think he was on um, our program last night. <laughs> who's Grossi? Oh yeah, that's right. He was. No, he was. He he was in the chat. He he actually. I almost put his super chat. I've almost not a super chat, but I almost put a chat from him where where he basically rolled his eyes when Lafleur said that uh, Lafleur said that his kid was good at Madden, um, which I think was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I see them now, and uh, oh, I got some I more. It. I got some more Nagler because people are realizing more. what I'm doing and they're putting him in. Right. Uh, Overshadow Sean. Uh, thanks for super chat. Faux show. All right. Uh, Keith Wilder. What a show. The two interviews were amazing. I love when Coach is on. He's such a good guy. Thank you guys for everything that you do. Appreciate you, Thank Keith. you, Thanks man. Thanks for the comment. Thanks, Keith. Uh, appreciate it. RC, RC, should we just shelf Rodgers this year on ST? On special teams? What? I'm I don't confused. Know. Maybe. I'm uh, confused. I don't know. RC, Legless fan. Thanks for the RC. Also, RC. I didn't have a cockroach. It was actually a ladybug on the window. I got ladybugs in the sunroom. I, I yeah, I was up when I was doing sunroom. Packers Daily on Monday. There was a ladybug right behind me. That's so cool. Yeah, I have to tell people not to kill my ladybugs because he. I like them, so I don't want you to kill. Don't kill my ladybugs. <laughs> no killing. Um, no killing. And also, also ladybugs are good because they're predators of like aphids and things that can get on my lime tree. Uh, here we go. Legless Fang. I hope Nags crushes LaFleur's son in Madden. <laughs> See, this is why I can't. I like People are going to be rooting for me to beat the kid? No, I can't have that. No. Nope. No, no, no. Uh, fan 39 you think Ravens will blitz a lot? Yes. A thousand percent yes. There's something I was going to ask Matt about, like the Chiefs game and Jordan Love and his handling of the all-out pressure, but, yeah, we're not about looking – back too much so but yes i think the ravens don't have 
Like they, they're so decimated in their secondary. I think their best bet is to blitz the shit out of the Packers and hope they can cause some havoc. Because God knows there is no, they can't hold up on the back end. They don't have anybody who can co- cover Devontae, not even close. So, yeah, I do think they will send a lot of pressure. Jocelyn, thanks to the Super Chat. Matt LaFleur seems really relaxed and open to fans when you guys interview him. Very cool to see. Thank you both. It's all Matt. Thank you, Jocelyn. Us. It's not us. It's, I just, Matt is the man. Yep. It's all Matt. He's incredible uh, and that he actually uh, and that he actually comes on our show, I think, is incredible. Uh, most hated Minnesotan. Finally got my stock certificate today. Glad I caught Cliff and Matt live tonight. Made for a great end to a great day. Wow, you got a stock certificate. Awesome. You got to, got to talk. We got to talk to Cliff. That's that's pretty amazing. Uh, pretty dope. And that's all I got. That's all I got, Nagler. There's where we are. And also, yeah, it was Amari Rogers, which I which I thought. I think there's a there's a, the ratio right now is there's more people that want Matt Lafleur's son to beat you than they want you to beat him. So I'm just letting you know where we are. But right this now is my I can't in good conscience like play the coach's son in Madden and, and, and beat him. I can't do it. So like, what you're I, saying is you're going to let him win? I kind of have to, don't I? I don't think so. All right. All right. I think All he's right. going to I think he's just going to destroy you. All right, probably. I think he's probably I think he's going to destroy you like you destroyed Grassi. That's what I think. Entirely possible. Oh. Entirely. All right, got one more super chat from Uncultured. Uncultured Barbarian, thank you for the super chat. You can beat kids in Madden. I pounded the paste out of both my nephews when they challenged me. I was so proud when one came back to beat me later. <laughs> no, no, That's don't true. get me wrong. Like, I That's face true. off against anybody and everybody online. Like, when you're doing Madden, they, like, match you up live online with anybody. And you will get kids <laughs> who, like, talk all sorts of nonsense, and then you whoop their ass. But, like... It's co. It's Lafleur's kid. I can't do that. I just <laughs> somebody, somebody put. I need an I own the kids shirt. <laughs> I own the kids shirt. Oh dear. Oh dear. That's so good. All right. That is we, so we good. We kid. We kid. We kid. We kid because we love. Um. Hey. Hey. Real quick. Let's give a shout out to our Patreon members. Patreon members really are the lifeblood of Cheesehead TV. Uh, anyone. Uh, who has like thought about it. Now's a great time to hop on and support the website, support the brand. All we ask is $5 a month and it supports everything we do. Um, video content, social, anything and everything having to do with cheesehead TV. And speaking of Patreon, shout out to all the Patreon members who showed up for our first ever meetup at Lambeau field on Saturday night. Uh, Great group. I was kind of blown away actually. I mean, there were people from everywhere, Heard so many great stories about Packers fandom, how you became Packers fans, how you discovered Cheesehead TV. It was awesome. I can't thank you guys enough, each and every one of you who made the trip in. I heard from a lot of people who wanted to be there and couldn't. Um, Hopefully next year we'll do something again. Um, And a major, major shout-out to Charlene for putting it together and pretty much throwing the thing. I mean, it was her her shindig. You know, we just kind of showed up. Um, Charlene... Obviously, number one Cheesehead TV fan. We thank you eternally because that was a ball. We had we had a blast. It was great. Great time. Meeting, putting faces to names, all of it. Um, anything else, Corey, before we head out? No. I uh, Let's win the Sunday. See it? Oh, we're coming back to watch party. I know, I know you missed us. Tyler Herrick did an amazing job last week. Shout out, Tyler Herrick. Shout out. Phenomenal. Fun work. to listen. 
it was fun to listen to Tyler doing it um, and having a great time. He really brought a lot of energy. But uh, Nagler and I will be there this Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, be there or be square. Watch Party Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. That'll do it for this episode of Packer Transplants Live. We'd like to thank everyone who makes Cheesehead TV part of their daily Packers routine. We are and will always be devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. What do we like to do? Put the best what out there? Come on, Nagler, help me out. Best five, all right? Best five. (laughs) 